0: Hello and welcome to episode number 123 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts online. I'm your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, we're going to be mainly talking about the minimum wage. The Democrats are trying to push it through to raise a national minimum wage to $15 an hour. And some people, of course, are saying this would help those who have been hit hard by COVID, those who have been disenfranchised and all of that. But the reality of the situation is a little different. And it's once again time to give a little history lesson on why you should do your own homework and understand these big social changes for what they are. And there's no question about it, there's plenty of evidence from over 100 years ago on the concept, and we'll be talking about those. But first, I wanted to mention something that's getting a lot of hubbub, and I'm kind of just meh about it because I don't really care about the NBA, don't really care about Major League Baseball at this point, don't really care about the NHL, NASCAR, any of it. They've all got issues and something that should be A distraction from all of the bad things going on in the world, whether it's COVID, whether it's all of the political unrest. Most people, I think, want to go to watch a ball game, no matter what sport it is. I mean, okay, I know no balls in hockey. I mean, they got balls, but they use pucks. And when you go and you want to consume one of these sporting events, I think you're doing so to forget about your problems. For it to be entertaining. And the last thing you want is politics to be thrust into the sports arena. But that is exactly what's been going on for years now. I mean, everybody's aware of the Colin Kaepernick kneeling and then this really taking off last year throughout the United States and worldwide. But now, Mark Cuban. The owner of the Dallas Mavericks has made the decision not to play the National Anthem before any of the Dallas Mavericks home games. And I mean, there's a lot of outrage from people on this. And I, like I said, I guess I don't care what Mark Cuban does or what the Dallas Mavericks do. He has the right. He owns the team. And from what I understand, the NBA only has one rule when it comes to the national anthem and the playing of the national anthem, and that is if the anthem is played, players have to stand for it. Well, we all know what's been happening. We all know that the NBA has a gutless commissioner named Adam Silver, who refused to enforce that rule when all of the kneeling and other protesting during the national anthem started. It's interesting, I guess, that there's a rule in the NBA about what players cannot do during the national anthem, but there's no rule that actually says you have to play the national anthem. Will that change? Doubtful, because again, The NBA is more in China's pocket, it would appear, than anything else. Maybe they should play the Chinese national anthem and show where all those sneakers are made and all those jerseys that they sell, where they're all made. But I digress. I mean, Adam Silver won't enforce the rules on standing during the national anthem. So Mark Cuban decides to yank it. And I don't know who this is offending more because the case can be made. For both sides of this. And he didn't say, as far as I can tell, why he was pulling it. He just finally admitted, I guess this has been going on since November and really wasn't making news. That should probably tell you nobody's paying attention to the Dallas Mavericks. But now Mark Cuban finally admitted that this was his decision. And the case could be made for he didn't like the players kneeling and making a spectacle of themselves during the national anthem. So taking away that national anthem in that aspect is taking away their chance to protest or have their voice heard before each and every game. And I don't know if that's why he's doing it or not. He didn't really say as far as I can tell. If I miss something, feel free to reach out to me, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, At randomthoughts.com. But the case can also be made on the other side, which is ah, he doesn't like America. He hates the cops. He hates the troops. So he's not going to play the national anthem. I don't think they should have to play the national anthem. And if their fans are fine with that, that's great. If the fans of the Dallas Mavericks are offended by them not playing the national anthem, then don't go to games. Don't buy their merchandise. Do not do anything to support the team. That is how a capitalist society works. You get to decide what to put your money behind and what not to. And if your favorite sports team is doing something you don't like, by all means, let them know by not spending money with them rather than spending money with them. Playing the national anthem before events. Is a tradition, but that is not a reason why you continue to keep doing something or not. Isn't just because, well, we've been doing this for so long that we have to keep doing it. We have to ask does it really promote the product? Is it what the fans want? Is it what the consumers want? And every sport's always been a little bit different when it comes to this. And there are also, I think, different vibes, at least for me. When going to a Blackhawk game here back in the day in the old stadium here, the Madhouse on Madison would get so loud during the national anthem that there's no question it intimidated the players that were coming into that building, especially ones who hadn't experienced it before, because it was a loud, loud, loud cheering going on that it's hard to explain if you've never been a part of it. I mean, there's always, if you've been at sporting events where things got loud, I don't know if I've ever been in a crowd that was louder than the national anthem at the NHL All Star game back in whatever year it was we went into Iraq. And this was an event in Chicago to begin with. But the national anthem had always been an event before Blackhawk games. Blackhawk fans always got loud, and there were people that had different opinions about that as well, which was, well, wow, they're trying to drown out the singer and they're, they're being disrespectful because they're just going nuts during the National Anthem. But the people that were there making the noise would make the case that they were doing it because they were being patriotic. They were supporting their country. They were supporting their team. And a normal National Anthem at the Madhouse on Madison could be loud. But that All-Star game. You can still find it on YouTube, I believe. I mean, I know they're, they're banning a lot of things and pulling a lot of content down. But if you do a search on YouTube for the national anthem for the NHL All-Star game in Chicago, it was insane. My wife and I were at that game, weren't married yet, and we were up in the third level and the whole place was vibrating. If you've ever been to the stadium, I mean, it was an old building at the time you thought the whole place might fall down just due to the massive amounts of sound that were going on. But I understand both sides of this argument, which is how you want to deal with the national anthem. Before Blackhawk games, it was always an event. Now, White Sox games going to baseball, there's a lot more of them in the national anthem. A lot of times, if you go to a lot of ball games, and if you go to like seven games in a week, if you're a season ticket holder, You know, it seems like this is getting kind of repetitive and maybe not needed. I mean, I get it doing it before the World Series, the playoff games, the big games. And it's interesting events like NASCAR races. I don't know if they still do because I have not been a regular watcher of NASCAR racing since the great Dale Earnhardt passed away. I mean, that was a guy that really was the true face of a sport, the soul of a sport. But with the NASCAR events, not only do they sing the national anthem, but most of the time, almost all of the time, they said a prayer. And that, of course, in these dangerous times that we live in, oh, how dare they pray? Well, nobody's forced to praying along. Nobody's forced to sing along with the national anthem. I thought we want diversity. I thought we want people to be able to do what they want to do. You know, if those damn NASCAR people want to pray, <laughs> they're bad. They're bad. So it's interesting. It comes down to what the fans of a particular sport want. And if their team does or does not give it to them, then they decide they can be a fan of another team. I mean, I know quite often you only have one major franchise in your area, and that's sad. But we live in a digital world now where people can't hardly go to games in person anyway. So be. A fan of a team that does the things you like. And don't be a fan of the teams that don't do things you like. Makes sense, right? Mark Cuban, he's well within his right. I don't know if this is the right decision or not. I guess it's one way to try to take yourself out of the equation when it comes to protests during the national anthem. But of course, then. Not playing the national anthem could also be seen as a protest. So as with so many things today, really a no win situation for everybody involved. And it would be nice if sports could get back to just being sports. I mean, we just had some game in football, I guess, you know, uh, some guy named Brady, who all I know, he's a he's a fan of Donald Trump. That's all I know. And he won again. And people are mad because he wasn't wearing a mask after the game. And, uh, you know, that's just what people worry about when they have absolutely nothing else to worry about. And there are things that are going on in the world that maybe they should pay attention to. One of them can be the fact that the Democrats now, who are in control in the United States, yay, they got the House, they got the Senate, they got the presidency, are pushing for. A fifteen-dollar federal minimum wage, which would more than double it right now. I think it's at like seven dollars, seven and a quarter. They want to bring it to fifteen dollars by twenty twenty-five. And it's interesting here too, as with the Mark Cuban thing and the national anthem, where it's like, well, you can see both sides of the story. The Congressional Budget Office put out a report because they're the ones that look at the numbers and say. Well, here's what we believe would happen if you put these crazy things you people are talking about into law. Here is our guess on the effect that it would have. And it makes sense. You want to do these computerized models and hopefully have an idea of what the new laws you're putting into place will do to the country. And in this case, the CBO says that if you raise the federal. Minimum wage to $15 an hour, you would lift roughly 900,000 Americans out of poverty, which is like, yay, raising people out of poverty. That's a good thing, right? No doubt about that. The report also says that raising the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour would kill 1.4 million jobs. So, (laughs) wait a minute. We're going to raise roughly just under a million people out of poverty, but we're also going to put about a million and a half people out of work. You know, those numbers, I'm not great in math. I mean, I did not get a degree in mathematics or anything like that, and I hated anything beyond algebra. You know, calculus was just like, whoa, no idea. Statistics, all that, still struggle with trying to figure out some of that stuff. But I think even I can understand raising about a little under a million people out of poverty, but then costing one and a half million jobs at the same time. You put those two things together and the end result isn't so great. But I'm not sure that the Democrats want the end result to be all that great, because here's where we have to go back and take a history lesson. My podcast co-hosting partner, Ryan Bemrose, and I did this on an episode of Grumpy Old Ben's about a year or so ago. You can still find that. It is the episode on minimum wage. We bloviated for like probably two hours on the minimum wage. And it was the episode I think I learned the most doing the research on it. So I'm going to bring some of that back to you today because you may have missed that episode And you may not be familiar with the origins of the minimum wage and what the idea was behind it. Because, I mean, just on its face right now, I think most people can understand the concept that if you take the lowest cost of labor in the country and double it, that the price of everything else is going to go up. You cannot take the workers at your local fast food joint or your local grocery store, or your local gas station, whatever it is. You can't take their salaries, what they're making, and more than double them and expect that the companies that are employing them aren't going to pass those costs along to you. Instead of the dollar menu at your local burger joint, it's going to go up to a $2 menu if you're doubling the salaries what they have to pay the people to make the burgers of course we also discussed at one point companies like white castle who are developing a solution that no actual people have to work in the kitchen cuz they have robots that can do everything they need to do to cook the food to package it to put it on a conveyor belt and it just shows up ready for you to consume which is one of the reasons why these concepts of raising the minimum wage ends up putting more people out of work and the people that they put out of work are the ones who they're claiming to help the most. The disenfranchised, of course, the poor. And you also have to understand a problem with a national minimum wage is that the cost of living in some place like San Francisco is way higher. Than living out in Montana or Wyoming. Living in New York City, way more expensive than living in rural Indiana. So a one-size-fits-all concept, again, will just take you right down the New World Order rabbit hole and this concept that there's one solution for everyone, and that's folly. The United States was set up in the way that it was in order to allow for different Styles of governing different laws that worked for different populations. Just like you could decide you don't like the Dallas Mavericks, I want to become a Chicago Bulls fan because they do the things I like. If you're living in Texas and you don't like the way they're going, if you don't like the rules, if you don't like the laws, you can just get up and move to Wyoming. If you don't like it in Wyoming, you can get up and move to wherever. And that's one of the great things about the United States and competing for your tax dollar for you to live in their state was supposed to keep a lot of things in check. But as we know, politicians often go off the reservation. Oh, wow, that would be that would be a bad thing to say, right? That's cultural appropriations. That's hateful in some way, shape or form. If you want to cancel me, go ahead. But the minimum wage when it was originally conceived was part of a eugenic strategy and i mean who doesn't love some good eugenic strategies i mean margaret singer you know the the woman that started planned parenthood i mean it wasn't because she wanted just to kill a bunch of young black children <laughs> oh, yeah it was and now look at the support planned parenthood has from the community that they're really doing the most damage to but the minimum wage was part of a eugenic strategy it was set up as a way to rid the country of all of those undesirable folks who, you know, they really don't contribute to society. I mean, you're told that raising the minimum wage will help the uneducated, they'll help the people that are poor, that just need a little help. I mean, they should just be paid a living wage. You hear all of this. The eugenics concept, this whole planned society concept was, of course, and is hostile to capitalism, hostile to the free markets. But this goes way, way, way back. And I'll quote here from the New Republic, from an editorial from just yesterday in 1916, when they said, imbecility breeds imbecility as certainly as white hens breed white chickens. And under laissez-faire, imbecility is given full chance to breed and does so, in fact, at a rate far superior to that of able stocks. So yes, they were worried about those minorities breeding and multiplying and infecting society. There's no shortage. Do your homework. Academic articles written back between 1890 and 1920 they discuss a variety of legislative attempts that would remove all of those undesirable folks from the workforce. Yes, these are your Democrats at work. Thomas C. Leonard, he's a research scholar from Princeton University. He explains it this way, quote, progressive economists, like their neoclassical critics, believed that binding minimum wages would cause job losses. However, the progressive economists also believe that the job loss induced by the minimum wage was a social benefit, as it performed the eugenic service of ridding the labor force of the unemployable. That's right. Raising the minimum wage does not help the poor. Raising the minimum wage does not help the uneducated. Raising the minimum wage does not help the unskilled worker, no matter what the idiots on CNN and MSNBC want to tell you. Raising the wage floor actually hurts the people that the government is pretending and claiming that they are helping with such policies. And since we're back in the past, let me quote Fabian socialist Sidney Webb from 1912 when he said, Legal minimum wage positively increases the productivity of the nation's industry by ensuring that the surplus of unemployed workmen shall be exclusively the least efficient workmen. Or, to put it another way, by ensuring all the situations shall be filled by the most efficient operatives who are available. <laughs> Let that sink in, people. The purpose of the minimum wage is to keep the least skilled workers out of the workforce so they cannot thrive, and they cannot reproduce. That was the concept behind the minimum wage over a hundred years ago, But people are too stupid and don't pay attention to history to understand what's going on in the world today. Now, Woodrow Wilson. Here in the United States, had a commissioner of labor named Royal Meeker. He was from Princeton University, another one of these nice liberal institutions, and he said in 1910, "quote It is much better to enact a minimum wage law, even if it deprives those unfortunates of work. Better that the state should support the inefficient wholly and prevent the multiplication of the breed." then subsidizing competence and unthrift, enabling them to bring forth more of their kind. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want the black people to keep having babies. This coming from Woodrow Wilson's commissioner of labor that enacted the minimum wage here in the United States. It's absolutely unbelievable that people cannot grasp this concept, that people rally behind this still like, yeah, they're out there protesting. These groups of people holding signs like raise our minimum wage. Idiots. They have no concept of economics. And of course, why would they? They're not being taught economics. They're not understanding the system. And it's sad that people are actually out there begging for a change that will actually negatively impact their lives Let's take a brief look at a textbook on economics from 1911 the author Frank Tossig that in regards to the question of how to deal with the unemployable answered, they should simply be stamped out. Again, eugenics, if you're not believing this yet you're not hearing every one of these sources we are bringing to you. The textbook says this, quote, we have not reached the stage where we can proceed to chloroform them once and for all, but at least they can be segregated, shut up in refuges and asylums and prevented from propagating their kind. See, now that's a liberal for you. You know, we can't just kill them yet, but you know, we can marginalize them and just stick them in a cage and not worry about what goes on after that. It is really a disgusting train of thought, but this is where the minimum wage comes from. This is where the concept comes from, not to help those who are disenfranchised, but to further put them out of the system because they are not wanted. Also from the same textbook, I just want to quote this, Certain types of criminals and paupers breed only their kind, and society has a right and a duty to protect its members from the repeated burden of maintaining and guarding such parasites. The human race could be immensely improved in quality, and its capacity for happy living immensely increased if those of poor physical and mental endowment were prevented from multiplying. I just don't know how anybody paying attention doesn't see exactly what's going on when it comes to these government programs to help the poor, to help the unemployed, to help those poor minorities, those poor people of color. We just need to raise the minimum wage so they can be hurt even more. That's the end result of the minimum wage hike. And again, it's sad to see people out there screaming that they want higher wages, unaware of the fact that the higher wages have a domino effect, which does nothing but make them more and more dependent on the government, which, of course, then makes them more and more right back into slaves. I thought we were fighting against slavery. I thought we were fighting against the concept of being controlled by somebody else. But no, the new world order is coming and people are lining up to be controlled by the government. This is going to lead to nothing but more people on the government dole. And once they're on the government dole, they're going to vote for whatever the government tells them, because otherwise, I mean, let's remember, Joe Biden got those two senators in Georgia elected by promising a check the very next day if those two senators were elected. I don't think that check's gone out yet, Joe. I mean, this could be a really good example, too, of people should not believe what politicians tell them. That's probably a pretty good idea. Don't believe what politicians tell you. They lie. They lie. They lie. And do your own homework to figure out why these things are going on, why these plans are out there. And when you see the Democrats applauding and heralding this minimum wage hike, understand what they really want to do. And you might have a different thought. I hope you do. Once you realize the nefarious reasons why the minimum wage was started and still in effect today. Hey, I'm just a poor podcaster. I'm basically a busker with words rather than those guys out on the street playing music. I am just talking to you and hoping that you take some value out of the words I say and send some value back to me. We do work on the value for value model here on the Random Thoughts podcast, which basically says if you're listening to the show, and this is the end of the show now, so if you're still listening, you obviously got something out of the show. What that is, I don't know. That's up to you to figure out. Was it a dollar's worth of value? Was it $5 worth of value? Was it $10,000 worth of value? Do we say something that just made you make your life better because you realize something you never realized before and it immensely helps you moving forward. Decide what that is to you and go to our website, randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com. Click that donate button to use PayPal for a one-time donation or a monthly subscription. You can use the QR code for Bitcoin or the Bitcoin address. You can use the P.O. Box. If you want to go the snail mail route and we love the snail mail route because nobody takes a percentage. And if you set it up with your bank for a bill pay kind of thing, they'll even pay for the stamp. They'll even pay for the envelope to get the check sent out to us. And then we don't have to pay a percentage to anybody like we do with PayPal or Bitcoin or anything like that. Or Patreon. If you're on Patreon, we have a page set up there. No extra content or anything. It's just a way. If you're on Patreon and want to use that to get some funds to us, it is patreon.com slash random thoughts, R A N D U M B. With all of that said, we appreciate everybody who supports the show, and we do have two people to thank today. The first, who is on a monthly donation, is Keith Von Dyke. And thank you, Keith, for your continued support of the Random Thoughts podcast. He comes in with 10 bucks. And then our buddy, DE Meet of Fun Fact Friday, the show that he does with his daughter, Leela. And it releases every Friday, but they actually record on Wednesday nights. And you can check out their live stream if you want to hear that live. It's a good show, it's a very wholesome show, and it brings up some information and some facts that I didn't know before. So I find it to be a pretty cool deal. Midas comes in the snail mail route with a check for three bucks, along with some money for my other show, Grumpy Old Bands. Which, if you're not listening to that, GrumpyOldBands.com, check it out. But as I said, the snail mail route is great because every penny goes to us, and any small amount—I mean, you may think it's a small amount—but if everybody sent in a small amount, that would be a big amount. I know that much about economics. I know that much about mathematics. But we appreciate everybody who listens to the show gives us your time gives us your attention and we appreciate everybody who supports us financially because that is important to keep the servers up and the microphone sounding good and all of that you're all awesome that's all i can say and with that said we will be back again next week on wednesday for another random thoughts but until then i am darren o'neill thanks for listening